Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Ephesians chapter 2, start in verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So today we're going to talk about circumcision. You can be seated. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's a lot, a lot here. Stay with me. Stay with. Stay up. No, 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 no. Stand up. I was kidding about. I, all of it was a joke. Sorry. We're off to a great start here today. Verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Get your markers out. Just look at that word hostility. We'll come back to it. Now Jesus did this by verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two and so making peace. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is the word of the Lord. Now you may be seated. Let's pray. And then we have got some work to do today. God, we love you. And um, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. I need you in this hour. We need you at this time. So open our eyes. Teach us awesome things from your word. Go straight to our hearts today, Father. Go straight to our hearts with your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So by way of review, I'm just going to go through this quickly. Jesus came on the scene. He said, I will build my church. Right? He told us our identity. When we follow him, we have a new identity. And then last week, look, okay, how is Jesus going to build his church? Last week we saw he takes individuals and he causes them to pass from death to life. He takes slaves and he frees them. We were dead slaves. And this week we continue on this how. How is it that he is building his church? Now, I want you to stay with me. And a lot of, this, a lot of you guys are going to be familiar with this. I know we have some psych majors and some people who do counseling, so I think this will be familiar. But in the world, in that arena, there, there are these, these things called uh, six basic human needs. And this sort of came off of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There were five of those. But the, the six basic human needs uh, studies have shown, and here, and here they are. They are certainty uncertainty, significance, love and connection is one, growth, and contribution, okay? And what I mean by certainty, like we're all in here, 
And we're pretty certain that this ceiling's not going to fall on our heads. That's a pr- we need that. We need to know that's not going to happen, right? That's healthy, okay? But then we also need uncertainty, right? This is where, where surprises in life, spontaneity, all that. Like this is some things that bring some spice to life. This is good. We want that. And then you have significance. We all desire significance. And what that means is like we, we need something that sort of makes us special. We, need, we all desire something that makes us unique. We all desire to be kind of set apart by something. And then love and connection. This is a pretty obvious one, but, like, but, but this one will actually cause us to give up some of our significance in order to experience love and connection. Like we die for this one, right? And then there's growth. Meaning like we are here and if we're, listen, if something isn't growing, it's dying. It's in us that we need to be growing. And then contribution is like, man, we want, all of us want to have some sort of impact. We want to make some kind of a difference. Now what I believe, I think, I think love is the most important. I think the Bible would teach that too. But I want you to keep this, this, this one of significance on the front of your mind. This idea of being unique, this idea of being different, this idea of being set apart. We're going to come back to it. Because here's what will happen. People will often elevate significance above love. Now let me give you a scenario. Take a young, take a young child raised in a loving family. His parents took care of him. It was a warm home. And just they did it right. But, but for whatever reason, this child goes off the, off the path, right? And he goes and he chooses a crazy lifestyle, maybe a wild and crazy life, whatever it is. And what, what that child is doing is, is he's valuing significance and, and being unique over love. Does this make sense? And we're going to come back to that. Just, just remember that. That's just an example of how that happens. Now, I believe these six basic human needs are true. And what, what we will do is we will find healthy ways to get these needs met or we will find unhealthy ways to get these needs met. Now... Here's what I believe. I believe all six of these basic human needs that science has figured out, I believe they're all met in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Okay, let's just go with certainty. He gives us his word. His word has not changed in thousands of years. It's something you can be certain about, okay? I I can with all confidence tell you I am certain what's going to happen to me when I die because I'm in a relationship with the king of the world. Does this make sense? I'm certain. Okay, what about uncertainty? I don't know, hypothetically, what if I'm following Jesus and he might call, or, or, or someone's following Jesus and, and he might call them out of education and call them into vocational ministry. That's kind of scary. That, that makes you uncertain of what's going to happen. He may call you to oh, I don't know, go to Italy for a week. He may call you to go for eight weeks. He may call you to go to Italy for two years. He may call you to go to Italy for the rest of your life. He may call somebody to plant a church. That's scary. That's some uncertainty, but it's healthy uncertainty. Are you with me? Okay, let's keep going. What about significance? Well, the Bible says that God gives every one of his kids gifts. You have a gift. I have a gift. They're different gifts, but we are gifted by the Holy Spirit of God. God even uses the word set apart. He calls us into a relationship with him, and he sets us apart. 
Jesus prayed for us that we would be set apart. Sanctify them, Father. Set them apart, Father. Okay, what about love and connection? Oh, well, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That sounds very loving, doesn't it? He absolutely loves us. He invites us into a relationship with him because he desires connection with us and he desires us to be connected to him. Go back to Ephesians 1. Look at all the blessings. You don't lavish blessings on people that you don't love. You send them a little card that says, hey, happy birthday. But you lavish gifts on the ones you love. Amen? Husbands, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I'm just, boop. Okay? Just kidding. My wife's like, you are a hypocrite. We don't do, we don't do Valentine's Day, okay? We just don't. That has nothing to do with nothing. Let's get back to this. Okay. <laughs> Growth. We're commanded in Scripture to grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Contribution. That's the call of God on our lives. The Great Commission. Contribution. Go make disciples. Oh, another contribution. Hey, go be generous with all of your money, all of your stuff. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. That's contribution. We get all these human needs met in a relationship with Jesus. And I know some of you are like, dude, I thought we were here in Ephesians. What does this have to do with Ephesians? Okay? Just, just stay with me. This is going to help us see further on how it is that God builds his church. So once again, last week, we were reading in that passage, and I read it, and I was like, oh, man, we, we have a big problem here. If you were here last week, like we're reading, the, we're reading God's word, and it's like, and you were dead. And then we saw all the slave words. It's like, okay, we're three verses in here, and we have a really, really big problem. Well, here today, in today's passage, we have yet another problem. And it's not that he points out that we were dead slaves. He points out in this passage the problem of belligerent hate. The problem of belligerent hate. Now, the word you saw was hostility. But it's belligerent hate. And here's what we must see from last week and for this week. We don't just need Jesus a little bit. You get me? We have a really serious problem apart from Jesus. And we're going to unpack a little bit more of that today. Last week there was like this but God statement, right? But God being rich in mercy. This week there's a very similar statement. He tells us kind of our reality, but then he says, but now in Christ Jesus. And you need to know when Paul's pointing this stuff out, just like he did last week, he's not pointing this stuff out to shame the church at Ephesus. God didn't inspire this in his word so that we read it and feel the shame. He is just, it's just a little bit of a reminder, Okay. We, we just need to see the reality of where we came from. Remember, it says in verse 11, that one time you Gentiles, that's us, anyone who isn't a Jew. So you're going to see something today. There are two races of people. 
when you read the Bible, you have Jewish race, and then you have every single other person on the planet that isn't that. Are you with me? You need to get that in your head. Okay? And it says, and you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, you were called the uncircumcision. And then remember, he says again in verse 12, you were at one time separated from Christ. You were alienated without God. There, you had no hope. He's just telling us our reality. In other words, saying all those covenants, if you're with us in the Hebrews like, uh, series, all those covenants that were made in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, they were not made with us, those of us who were Gentiles. The circumcision, the uncircumcision, Israel and, and, and Gentile, like God chose Israel. He chose them to be a people through whom he would, that he would love and through them he would bless the whole world. He would use them to call the rest of the world to himself. And here's a way to say that. Simply, he chose Israel, he blessed them so that they could be a blessing. Just, you've heard that before in church. They were blessed to be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Just kind of give you the origins. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So when you hear blessed to be a blessing, this is where it comes from in God's word. Genesis chapter 12. And here's what happened. Over time, those people who were near to God, those people who God called out to be a blessing, God blessed them to be a blessing. Over time, they became haters. Now, I'm not saying that in the slang. They literally became haters. See, they became arrogant, and they began to hate. Now, when I say hate, you need to know what I'm meaning by this as we move on through this passage. To hate is to assign little or no value to. There, there's my working definition for today. To hate something is to assign little or no value to. So here's the deal before we move on. I'm, all of you are going to squirm in your chairs today, okay? I squirmed in mine for weeks over this. You're going to get uncomfortable. A bunch of you will probably be offended. There's probably not anyone in here that, that, that is not in the crosshairs. And here's what I mean by this. So you had this group of people, and they were blessed to be a blessing, and they became arrogant, and they started looking at other people who weren't blessed like they were blessed, and they started to assign little or no value to that people group or those people this has not stopped happening on the earth so all of us got we all have to do some sort of evaluation today because God is without question he's after our heart I'm just going to pose a few questions today where is it that you might be assigning little or no value to people who maybe don't do it like you do it what do you mean do it like I do it? Pick your, pick your arena. Are there people who don't do church like you do church? Do you assign little or no value to them? Where are you assigning little or no value to people who don't have what you have? 
Where is it that blessing in your life has actually become an idol? And an idol is anything in which you root your identity. That's an idol. So let me just throw some examples of some idols that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Ethnicity. Socioeconomic class. Education level. Culture. Your heritage. Here's what we do. This is human nature. We will most commonly root our identity in things that we believe make us significant. Let me say it another way. We will often root our identity in things that we believe make us unique, make us special, make us set apart, make us different, make me different than you. Now, here's the reality. Some of those things may not even be that significant or different at all, but we think they are. So we go ahead and root our identity in those things. Okay? Remember, significance is something that makes me special, unique, or sets me apart. Now, why do we root our identity in those things? It's because we do it out of our insecurities. We build ourselves up through what we feel makes us unique. And I need you to get this today. We are the people of God. And I'm talking to those who have passed from death to life, like what we talked about last week. We are the people of God. We don't need to do that. We don't need to look at things that we think make us unique to find our value, to find our worth, and to get our identity. This happens all the time. Let me, let me, let me just give you some examples, okay? White people do this, and black people do this, and brown people do this. Rich people do it, and poor people do it. Blue-collar people do this, and white-collar people do this. Country boys do it, and then city boys do it. Working mothers do this, and stay-at-home mothers do this. Physically fit people do this, and unfit people do this. Married people do it, and single people do it. I could go all day. What is, what, what is it that they do again? I forgot. You said so many things. We take this thing, and we root our identity in it, and we believe it gives us significance, and it makes us special, and it sets us apart, and it gives us value. I am a stay-at-home mother. I do it right. Are you with me? Musicians, artists, you know they make a living off of this, right? Like, first of all, in their personal lives, their main desire in their personal lives is that they're significant. Now, let me just ask you this. How is love and connection going for famous musicians? Pretty good? No, they sacrifice it 
for significance. Are you with me? But then they appeal to us and they start singing songs about significance. And all of them do it. Country music, what do they do? Right? My trucks, my gravel roads, my whiskey, my work, my dogs, my redneck. They sing about this stuff and they th- that, that makes them special. When I die, I want to come back as a country boy. No, there ain't no better life if you ask me. If my neck don't come out red, then Lord, just keep me dead. I mean, just brilliant. It's brilliance. Right? Listen. All that, is, all that is is, hey, I'm significant. I'm significant. I'm different than you. I'm unique because I'm a country boy. Hip-hop does the same thing. My money, my Tesla, my diamonds, my hoes. I'm too sexy for this chain, too sexy for this gang, too sexy for this fame. I'm too sexy for the trap, too sexy for the cat, too sexy for the jack. What's he saying? (laughs) I'm, I'm significant, I'm significant, and you're not. Are you with, listen, they make millions of dollars off of this. And here's what happens. We, 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 plant, our, we plant our camps in, in this stuff. And then we start to get our identity, and then eventually this stuff takes over our heart, and it's way more important that people know that I'm a country boy than they do that I'm a Christ follower. Are you with me? When that gets in your heart, what you'll do is you'll start looking at people who aren't like you, and you'll start to assign little or no value to them. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus doesn't like that. And when we do that, we just become like that kind of spoiled child that runs for significance and forgets about the love of our Father. And we start to value this significance over the love of our Father. And I'm telling you all this because here's what was going on. Jews were doing this to Gentiles. So in, this is what like, this was happening. In turn, then Gentiles would do it to Jews. That's human nature. Jews looking down their nose. We're better than you. You're, you're insignificant. You have no value. I'm assigning literal no value to you. And then Gentiles would throw up the middle finger and say, "Well, I, I don't care about you either. I hate you too." And then we have this wall of hostility that had been built. This wall of hate. I don't value you, and I don't value you, and I'm better than you. No, and we're better than you. And that's what was going on. So what did God do about it? Verse 13, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down this flesh, in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. So Jesus makes a way. 
he goes to the cross. He's, he's ripped. His flesh is ripped, and he tears down this wall of hate. Let me say it another way. Jesus became hate. That's what the Bible tells us. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. He who knew no hate or hostility became hate and hostility on the cross, and God slaughtered it. And here was the result, in case you're not squirming enough. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. The literal word there is he created a new humanity. This is what it literally means, and this is where some of you aren't going to like this. You had the race, the Jewish race. And then you had everybody else in another race. Jesus came and died on a cross. And there was a third race. Are you with me? There's a third race born. Jesus comes on the scene. He lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross. He raises from the dead. He's seated on his throne and he keeps adding Every day he keeps adding to this third race. Here's what the third race is called, the church. It's a third race. This new building that Ephesians is so much about, all the construction language, this new building is not to be labeled. What do I mean by that? I am not a white Christian. You are not a black Christian or a Latino Christian or a Korean Christian. That is not what we root our identity in. That it does not belong in the church. Now listen, to be clear, do not hear what I'm not saying. To be clear, there is beauty in our different external appearances. There is beauty in our different cultures. When we see this, here's what we should Here's what we should recognize. When we see different cultures, when we see uh, different external colors of people, we just need to go, God is an artist and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. God doesn't pretend that there aren't different types of people. Go to Revelation. He said he, he is building his church from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. He doesn't pretend that it doesn't exist. But 1 Corinthians 10, 31, I just want to read this to you. He talks about this, and you'll miss it. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense. Now, here are the three races. Jews, Greeks, the church. In this context, the Greeks just means Gentiles. It could easily say Jews, Americans, the church. Are you with me? This is where he points out those three. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. This is the people of God. Okay, You may have a problem with this language that I'm using. God does not have a problem with this language. It's his. Are you with me? And you, those of us who pass from death to life, you are a chosen race. It's the church. 
You're a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous, marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Remember last week, our God is being rich in mercy because of his great love. calls us to be part of this third race. Now listen to me, there are different cultures, and different cultures worship differently all across the world. Today, there are multiple worship gatherings that are going to take place, and they all look different, and it's all beautiful. And when we start thinking that, no, we do it actually correctly, and they don't, you've just taken a brick and started building a wall of hostility. Are you with me? Okay, just let me give you a quick story. We do it differently even within our walls. Do you know this? You, you come here Sunday to Sunday, we do this differently. But, but let me give you a more recent example. So we have a property over here on this side of town uh, that we bought a long time ago, and it had this nasty, janky, jacked-up building on it. And this church couldn't afford, like, it, we, needed, we needed God to step in and make something happen. So I, that's the way I go home and come to work every day. And I, I, listen, and I know a bunch of you all, a bunch of us prayed about that property, okay? But I'm telling you right now, if you would have been behind me when I'm driving by that property, you would have been like, this dude is drunk, okay? I, I'm driving by, I'm probably swerving, my hands are out over the property. I'm like, Lord, just bring it down. I'm doing weird stuff, okay? Every time I drove by, I'm like, God, we got to have you do a miracle. I'm, and I'm, I'm windows down. I'm praying. Okay? And listen, not all of you did that. Most of you didn't do that. But you prayed about the building. Here's what I know. That building's gone. Amen? And we're going to break ground on that new building probably like in March or April. Okay? We, we did it differently. Who was right? Who was wrong? Who cares? When we pass from death to life, here's what we have to know. When we pass from death to life, we're not just like simply adjusted. God doesn't make some minor tweaks. You know what I'm saying? I kind of think of our soundboard back there. That, that's not how it works. Everything is new. We are made new. We are dead people who now have life, and every area of our life is affected. That's why we use biblical terms like we are born again. We are a new person. We are a new humanity, a part of a new race. And I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, but Brad, what, what about my uniqueness? What about my being special and, and different? Can I just tell you some things about this new humanity, okay? Are you ready? In case you're that person, like, let's just talk about this new humanity, okay? Um, we read a book that's 2,000 years old, and we believe it, and we do what it says to do, and then we don't do the things it tells us not to do. I don't know if you know this or not, that's unique. Most people don't do that. We, in this new humanity, give large chunks of our money away every time we make more of it. I don't know if you know this, most people don't do that. We love our enemies. 
Most people don't do that. We come to a building every single week and, and we sing songs. Have you ever thought about how weird it is that you get with a group of people and you sing songs together? And it's not that we just stop there. We put people like in tubs of water and like dunk them underwater. And then we pull them back up, and then we cheer like somebody just scored a touchdown. Most people don't do that. We come, and we get a little piece of bread torn off. I'm just, I'm just telling you, we're the weirdos here. If you're not, and we dip it in like grape juice, sometimes wine. Are, are you guys doing this in your kitchens at your dinner table? Like, is this like a, con no, it's weird. It doesn't taste awesome. We're unique. We always will be. When we stop being unique in these ways, we've stopped being the church. And what is the result? This passage says the result is peace, believe it or not. It's peace. It's vertical peace. We have peace with the Father, and then we have peace with one another because there's not a wall of hostility that keeps us away. So here's the point. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up. Here's the point. To tell us that we were far from God, to tell us that we didn't have any hope in the world, to do all that stuff that Paul is doing, he isn't doing it to shame us. It should cause us to look to the creator of the universe and just see how incredible our God is. That's what should happen. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to the, those who near both races needed the same message. Peace. Hey, what are you preaching? Just curious, just think, you ever think, what are you preaching? Is it peace? So then, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Only God can take enemies. Only God can take people who are far off and make them family and put them in the same household, unite them. See, what you got a taste of in this passage is this word, one. It's just a taste. We're going to get to chapter 4, and it's going to just pop all over. One, one, one. And it's going to be this thing of unity. God takes people who should never have been unified. Only God can take people and make them unified. One new humanity, one body, one spirit. Romans 5.10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? 
We were once enemies. But in order for us to no longer be enemies, for in, or, in order for us to, to tear down walls of hostility, it would require the life and death of the Son of God. I want you to stand with me. Because every week here, we, we do come down and we do take a piece of bread and dip it in a cup. But it's on purpose, guys. It's on purpose. We, it's, it's a reminder. It's a rehearsal of the gospel, of the good news that we are no longer far off, but we have been brought near. That's a very peaceful sermon that we get to preach, but we get to do it together. So if you're serving communion, I want you to come on down. If you're new here, I'll explain how this works. We'll have station under each light, and then we're going to have stations in the middle of the aisles. The back half of the room, you'll come to the middle aisle people. The front half of the room, you'll come down. Everyone will need to exit on the outside rows, back to your seats. Balcony, you're going to have a section up there. So I want, us, I want our hearts to be examined. Where have we looked at people and assigned little or no value to? If you're wondering about that, let me just help you, because I've heard this phrase more than I'd like to admit. Oh, he's worthless. Oh, they're worthless. You know, you know what that's, that's, that's saying? I hate them. You didn't realize that, did you? It's the same thing. Where, where is this in our heart? Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Let's just repent of that. Take some time. Confess that to the Lord. Let's repent of that. Where have we looked at people in ways we shouldn't look at them? Where have we drawn conclusions about them that we shouldn't draw? That is not what Jesus did. So the body, or the bread's going to represent the body, this flesh that was torn broke down his flesh so that he could tear down this wall of hostility. That's, what's, that's what I want you to that's what I want you to participate in as you come down and you dip it in the cup representing his blood that was spilled on our behalf. Let's, let's thank him. Let's thank him that he brought us near.